Welcome. You're listening to an Ignite Harvest Ministries podcast with Evangelist Jordash Govinda. We pray that this word will inspire, impart, and ignite a passion within you for God and the advancement of His kingdom. And I'm going to start from Matthew 13, 45 to 46. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And we understand what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of heaven is just like a choice pearl, a precious pearl, an expensive pearl, that when a man discovers it, he sells everything he has to have that pearl. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. When we discover the kingdom of heaven, we want to give up every single thing to have it. We want to have the kingdom of heaven above everything else. And that's how we should be. It should be that now that we've discovered the kingdom of God, we put everything else second. We put the kingdom above it all. And we're amazed by the discovery that we want to buy this precious pearl. Amen? When this becomes a reality to you, everything changes around you. And in the Old Testament, there were these men who discovered God, who discovered God as this precious pearl, and they wanted to give up everything for Him. And many times God would lead them to the mountain to separate them from the people and encounter them upon that mountain. And here are just four, five examples of mountains that God encountered His people on. In Exodus 19, 18, it says, Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. Here, it was God encountering Moses to impart the revelation of the tabernacle, the law and the priesthood and the sacrificial system that he wanted to uh, have the people participate in. The second example was Mount Moriah with David in 1 Chronicles 21-26. It says, And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. And here God was needing David to do the sacrifice because David had messed up. He made a mistake with something that uh, he was led by the enemy to do. And there was wrath and plagues happening. And then God said, okay, come onto this mountain, make an offering, and then we'll see what we can do. Number three, Mount Moriah again with Solomon this time. In 2 Chronicles 7, 1-2, it says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. I don't know about you, but I want to have an experience with God where the glory of the Lord fills it so much that maybe I won't even begin to stand. Or maybe someone's outside and they want to enter the room, but they can't enter that room. They say, hey, somebody's praying in that room. There's the glory of God there and I can't even touch the door handle. Amen. And we can encounter that. Number four, Mount Carmel with Elijah. And we're going to look at that just now. And number five, Mount Zion at Pentecost. Even in the New Testament in Acts 2 verse 3, it says that fire descended. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And we know that's where the church received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to start off their, their journey. God had, uh, Jesus had left and said, go and tarry there. And God met them as well with fire. Amen. And these were men who met God. Elijah had a gift from God that would instantly get the attention of the entire nation. It caused many others to have a desire 
just like him. And we see with the example of Elisha who followed after him. And we know that in the Bible and in life that we see, it is the praying people who were touched by the fire of God that go ahead to impact their nation, that go ahead to make a mark on their generation, that people talk about them years and years and years after. I mean, we're still talking about Elijah, we're still talking about Moses, and we still talk about the great revivalists of old because they had an encounter and they changed their generation for God. Paul had an encounter on the road to Damascus and he changed the future of the Gentile nation. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush and God sent him to deliver the people out of Egypt, out of captivity. There's so many other examples. Elijah had an encounter with God and he changed the, gen he changed the situation that was happening at the time with Baal worship and so forth. And these men have had legacies unparalleled in world history. And how many of you know if God can encounter Paul on the road to Damascus, if God could encounter Moses, if God could encounter Elijah, he can encounter us today, he can encounter you. You can be someone that has an encounter with the fire of God that you will impact your generation that years from now people will say, hey, do you remember this one? And now he's reaching the lost. Now there's a fire of God upon him. He's led thousands to the Lord. Amen. Amen. How many of you I want to say that's you? Shout amen to God and say... Just shout, I want that fire. Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake were one of my favorite revivalists of old as well. And they also had radical encounters with God. And Smith Wigglesworth would, would share how he had already been preaching. He had already been having healing go on in his ministry. But he wanted more. He knew that there was a baptism of power, the baptism of the Spirit. And he knew that there was more with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He goes into a meeting and... Uh, the pastor's wife lays, his hands, uh, lays her hands on him and the fire of God comes upon him. She leaves the room and he says, for that time he was bathed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was bathed with the power of God that he shouted out, clean, 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 because he felt, the, he felt the, the purity of Christ. He felt the holiness of God coming upon him and making him clean. And after that, he became a flame of fire that would be unmatched in his time. He went back to Europe and he told the guys, hey, guess what? I've received the Holy Spirit. He went to America, he encountered that, and he brought fire to the continent of Europe and even Africa, amen? John G. Lake would share how he would be seeking God. I think he was seeking God for, let me have a note here. For nine months, he was seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And after nine months, he said, you know what? Maybe it's not for me. Maybe the speaking in other tongues is not for me. And he just wanted to give up. But then someone came to him by the name of Pierce and said, hey, we've been praying for over a year in our group for the baptism of the Spirit and we haven't received it yet. We know that you also haven't received it. So why don't you come and join us? And maybe you can pray for us and we can receive it. And so he went to that meeting and said, you know what? Maybe God, if you don't want to give it to me, you'll give it to them. He hadn't even prayed for five minutes when all of a sudden a white light appeared all around him and he heard a voice coming from the light just like Paul had an encounter with that white light and he heard the voice of the Messiah. John G. Lake also had an encounter and he began to speak in a heavenly language. He began to speak in other tongues and all those people in the room also began to speak in other tongues. I mean, today we take it for granted the gift of speaking in other tongues but there was a time where in the world, it was very uncommon. People like William Seymour would have to seek God and start the Azusa Street revival when the gift broke out, amen? How privileged are we to have that gift of other tongues? If you're here and you have that gift, know how much you have. 
you have the deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the endurement of power from on high. You have something that the Old Testament saints didn't have. You have something greater inside of you. So you have the ability to do the same that John G. Lake did, to do the same that Smith Wigglesworth did, to do the same that, Mo, that, that Peter and Paul and all of these saints did once they received that. So I'm tired of always going back to their stories. Let's make our own stories, amen? And back to Elijah who impacted his entire nation. In James 5, 17 to 18, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And notice it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So, sometimes you look at these men of old, and you look at these saints who are doing great things, and you say, you know what? They probably don't have the same struggles as me. They probably were born glowing in the dark and just uttering in tongues from the moment they were born. But... The Bible says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. It puts it there to tell us that he was a man just like you and I. He was a man just like me standing right here, just like you sitting there with the same struggles, the same temptations, the same difficulties that being a human being on earth poses. Yet he was a man who would pray and the rain would stop in the land. Yet he was a man who would then pray again and the rain would start again. Just because you might have struggles and have this nature just like Elijah doesn't mean God can't use you. Doesn't mean God can anoint you. He'll take you. He'll use you. He'll sort you out, whatever you might have. And he'll put you upon a platform for you to minister the power of God to people. Amen. First Kings 18, 20 to 46. And this is the last portion of scripture I'm going to read. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. 21, it says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. How long will we falter between two opinions? If you know that God is God, then let us follow him. If you think he is not, then don't. So decide, stop faltering between opinions. Know that the Lord is God, that Jesus the Christ is the Son of God. And now that you know that he is God, you can serve him 100%. Don't falter between any opinion that the world might give you. Amen? Verse 22 says, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Notice Elijah is saying, I'm just one man and you guys are 400, but he's just saying it like it's nothing. When God is on your side, it doesn't matter how many people are against you, you're still in the majority, amen? Verse 24, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by? Answers by? Amen. He is God. He is the God who answers by fire, as we've seen. Whenever there's a sacrifice that you make, He is the God who answers by fire. Whether it's a sacrifice of praise that you've made, whether it's a sacrifice of worship, whether you almost broke and you made a sacrifice of giving, He is the God who answers by fire. Maybe you sitting here had to make a sacrifice to be here. He is still the God who answers by fire, and He will answer you with fire in this place tonight. Amen. 
if you live your life as a sacrifice, Romans 12, 1 says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing and acceptable to Him. Now we don't have to go on a mountain and build a physical altar and ask God to light that altar. Now we are the sacrifice. We are the living sacrifice that we offer to God. You sitting here in the place, your body is a sacrifice that's laid on all the altar. And as you sanctify yourself and as you prepare yourself and as you say, Lord, here I am on the altar, then the fire of God will consume you. The fire of God will come upon you and you will say wherever you walk, he's the God who answers by fire. You're a living sacrifice. Wherever you're walking, wherever you're talking, wherever you're going, whatever you're saying, the God of fire is upon you. The God who answers by fire is burning inside of you, is burning upon you. Amen. Sacrifice will always release power and fire. When God makes a deposit of fire in you, you don't need to compromise anymore. Because what does the fire do? It consumes. Amen. But I remember I was 15 years old and in those days I would pray through the nights almost every, every day. And I went to school and there was this guy who was like a bully, he would always like just swear at me. If you, you, how many of you guys know people like that? Like they just, if you don't know them, you probably, maybe it was the person before you got saved, amen? But he would just be the bully and like whenever he saw me, I don't know why, maybe it was my bushy hair and glasses, but he just used to mock. But then one day when I went to school, the moment I saw him, God gave me a word for him. And then I declared that word to him. I said what God showed me and he just stood there staring at me. He didn't say anything. But then the next day, I'm walking during lunch and all of a sudden I see a crowd of boys running after me. And then I start walking faster because like you can see I'm not a fighter. And then they eventually I turn and they're there and they catch me. And they say, are you the one who hears from God? Are you the one who prophesied? Are you the one who sees? When the fire of God comes upon you, people will come running after you asking, who is the God that you serve? Who is the God that you serve? Who is this God that shows you these things? Who is this God that is living and breathing and moving inside of you? Amen. Amen. Another example was uh, Ivana used to have cell after school at like 3 o'clock. And eventually all the people in her cell relocated. So then there was no cell. And then she was sitting there wondering now what to do. And then I said, you know what? There's school kids walking on the road. Why don't you just go and reach out in this time? And then she goes, she reaches out, and then there's a group of people that she goes to. And then she comes back, not saying that she reached out, she comes back with people to attend the cell. And I think it was six or eight people, and those girls begin to attend the cell week after week after week. When you have the fire of God, you don't have to struggle. You can get an instant cell wherever you are. The people you go to will know that the person you're speaking of is real and living. Amen? Amen. And to close, and the band can come up. And then Elijah goes on in the scripture, which I'm not going to read too much of it. But he, he then mocks them saying, okay, you guys are crying out for, for your God to answer by fire, but there's nothing happening. They were, answer, they, were cry, they were cutting themselves. They were like chanting. And it went for almost six hours and nothing happened. And he said, maybe your God is on vacation or maybe he's gone to the toilets or maybe he's in a mountain somewhere. And he just mocked them. But how many of you know that our God is not on vacation? He's not sitting in a mountain somewhere. He's not distant. He's not there where there's no voice. He's waiting to answer us by fire. He's waiting to answer us when we come to Him. He's waiting to touch us when we seek His face. In verse 30, it goes on. Then Elijah said to the people, 
come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And he put the wood in order. Cut, this is verse 33. Cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. Then he goes on, do it a third time. And all the water ran around the altar and also filled the trench. And if we read from the first verse in, in Kings 18, it actually talks about God telling Elijah it's time to end the drought. So Elijah was there with his prophets actually throwing water upon the sacrifice. And they were probably thinking, what's wrong with this guy now? There's no water. There's a drought in the land. Yet now he's throwing water upon the sacrifice. What he was actually doing was he was sowing so that he could reap an abundance of rain. When you're in a drought, when there's something that's dry in your life, sow unto God and he will bring an abundance of rain. When we go on to see in verse 41, it says that there was an abundance of rain that came. Amen. But more importantly, Elijah repaired the altar. In verse 38, it says, The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. When the fire of God falls, people will look at you and know who the God that you serve is. They will know that the God you serve is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Amen. And I want you just to get up on your feet right now. And just think about the altar of your life. Maybe there's something that you need to repair. Just like Elijah repaired the altar. Maybe you need to repair the altar. Maybe the altar of prayer in your life has been broken down and you need to rebuild it. Maybe you aren't doing it like you used to. Or maybe it's reading the word. You need to rebuild that in your life and have it built on again. Or maybe there's weights in your life that you know you should let go of but you haven't let go of it yet. Or maybe even there's sin that might be meshed up in the altar that you need to remove so the altar of your life can be pleasing, holy, and acceptable to God. So if that's you, if you're saying, I want to repair the altar, I want to make a commitment to God 100%, and I want His fire to fall upon me, I want you to run to the front, and I want you to say, I want to make the commitment to go 100% for God. I'm tired of 50-50. I'm tired of having a broken altar. I'm tired of having no fire. I want to repair the altar in my life. And I want to receive the fire of God to go on this journey with fire and with power. Let this be the last day that you say, I backslid. May you go on this journey saying, the fire of God is upon me and I don't need to keep backsliding. I can go 100% for God. If you desire to see the nations of the earth transformed by the power of the life-changing gospel, become a partner with this ministry. For more information, go to our website, Ignite.